Gavacho Borracho U.S. Soccer Talk is sponsored by Rogue Energy. Rogue Energy is an alternative to the sugary energy drinks that can make you get a boost of energy and crash quickly, while also putting a ton of sugar into your body. Rogue Energy comes in four unique product lines best suit your personal needs. Their low-calorie, no-sugar energy formula is the perfect alternative to sugar-filled canned energy drinks and sodas. Their extreme formula provides the most energy focus and sports performance possible. Their hydration line offers focus ingredients without the added caffeine. Drink it anytime you're thirsty. Finally, their shake formula is a delicious zero-calorie energy milkshake. The thing that also makes Rogue Energy unique from other powdered drinks is that it dissolves really well, and you won't find any chalky textures in their drink. With over 10 different players to choose from, we at Coda Sports Gambling Network definitely recommend Rogue Energy. Go to their website, rogueenergy.com, and use the promo code CODA, that's K-O-T-A, to receive 10% off your order. Again, rogueenergy.com, and use the promo code CODA, K-O-T-A. What up, y'all? You're listening to the Gabacho Borracho U.S. Soccer Talk Podcast with your hosts, Thomas Miller and Corey Adair. Your go-to podcast for gambling on soccer and hot, hot, hot U.S. men's national team takes. Take it away. Go, go, USA! Gratefully claims it. Distribution. Brilliant. Landon Donovan. There are things on here for the USA. Can they do it here? Cross. And Dempsey is denied again. And Donovan has scored! Oh, can you believe this? Go, go, USA! Certainly through. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Gabacho Borracho U.S. Soccer Talk with your hosts, Thomas Miller and DJ Corp. 07. I'm trying to say your name. Say your name. I'm trying to get it right multiple weeks in a row, okay? I was just all excited. <laughs> uh, it's your co-host, Corey Adair. Right on, man. Yeah, uh, he is at DJ Corp. 07. I am at Don Thomas Miller uh, on Twitter and Instagram and TikTok, I think. <laughs> uh, so we're super excited to bring you guys another episode. Um, uh, as always, these episodes are brought to you by uh, Coda Capper Sports Gambling Network. Um, big shout out to those guys. Uh, without them, you know, our show wouldn't be possible. And uh, we're super pumped up today. Uh, the Mr. Greg Berhalter came out with his much-anticipated 27-man roster for the October World Cup qualifying games for the United States men's national team. <laughs> yep. And the fact that you said 27 means I don't have to be done with him just yet. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, this team, we're going to go over it. Uh, we, we got our thoughts and opinions and suggestions on some of the guys but overall before we get into the to the players like once you say or would you say that you're on the same level as me that there's some disappointing guys who didn't get picked or also uh guys that we have no desire to see that did get picked but overall feeling okay about the the squad selection yeah, I mean, bearing, you know, we have we have a bunch of injuries. Well, not really a bunch, two big ones. It just feels like a bunch because of how big the two are. But with those injuries, I probably I, – I, there's maybe one or two people that I'm disappointed to not see. 
and there's one or two people that I'm disappointed to see, but there are more than one or two people that I couldn't be happier to see. So all in all, I feel really good about this squad's chance. I really like this roster. I know that we're missing two of our big names, but there's a bunch of guys on here that are playing really, really, really quality minutes right now that I'm hoping with the systems that Burhalter likes to run, that these guys will be in a good enough position that they're comfortable with that we'll have a really good shot to come away with a minimum of seven points. Right. Yeah, I mean, so without further ado, let's get into the guys, man. Um, we'll start off with goalkeepers, which is the sleepiest, you know, least debatable group always, uh, um, you know, since really the start of the summer. Um, we are, uh, Greg selected uh, three goalkeepers. He picked Matt Turner, Zach Steffen, and then uh, he also selected Sean Johnson of NYCFC. Uh, that pick is over Ethan Horvath, but um, I, I know a lot of people saw that the UK kind of relaxed the red list protocols and um, quarantining regulations for any team who went to a red list or any player who went to a red list country. But uh, after the team selection, Burhalter did come out and he's, he, he already said he's not going to send the UK guys down to Panama. So Sean Johnson um, is the understandable replacement for Ethan Horvath because Ethan Horvath plays in England. Um, so he wouldn't be able to go down there. So that way we're going down there with two goalies. Um, any thoughts on the goalkeepers, Corey? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we were, we were pre-complaining about this last week. We didn't know how he was <laughs> going to handle it. We thought we thought he was going to need to bring four goalkeepers. I am more than okay. I don't get me wrong. Beating Mexico on U.S. soil is orgasmic, right? So Horvath is going to have a special place in my heart for the end of time. I am never going to hate that man because of what he did that day. But with this scenario. We could afford to not bring him, and we needed to make sure to have at least a warm body that we semi-trusted as a backup because everybody knows it's Matt Turner. It's all Matt Turner. <laughs> yeah. So, okay, about that, uh, I was uh, watching the Champions League postgame show uh, today. Today is Wednesday, September 29th, we're recording, um, and they had that Golasso show or whatever they call it, their, their postgame show basically – they had uh, Burhalter as a guest, and they they were kind of you know asking him. Uh, Henri was uh, asking him some kind of tough questions, uh, and one that he did ask was, uh, uh, "Now that Zach Steffen is healthy, uh, uh, he got hurt during the summer, and then he was on COVID, this and that. Um, uh, is Matt Turner, you know, your your number one goal goalkeeper?" and his response was that, you know, I don't have the exact quote, but basically that's going to be something that we're going to look at when we open camp. So not exactly, you know, closing the book on the, that Matt Turner is our number one. Uh, he's, he's my number one. Zach Steffen can back him up. If something will ever happen to Matt Turner, you know, I'd be happy with Zach Steffen stepping in, but uh, I don't know if you saw that. And uh, if you want to, respond to that at all yeah i think i think he's just playing it close to the vest i don't think i don't think there's any way to take matt turner out of the net i, I mean he's given up what 
one, no, two goals in the last three months, four months for the United States. Yep, two, one in the run of play. The other was a penalty against Martinique. Yeah, so I don't see what I don't I don't see an argument. Don't get me wrong, Zach Steffen is is great. I think it would be different if Zach Steffen was starting for a club in Europe. If he was starting and playing all the minutes, he would probably be our number one keeper. But he's not, and Turner is. And Turner, when given the opportunity, didn't look back. So it's Matt Turner. Like I just I don't I don't see any way that you can justify taking him out of the net with the way that he's been playing. Yeah, man, it's like a pure, uh, um, you know, Matt Turner plays in New England. It's just, we just saw the anniversary of the Drew Bledsoe injury pass. So it's like a perfect Tom Brady type situation. Matt Turner got the keys to the car. And, you know, I mean, he, he's, he's been tearing it up since he got him. And, you know, I wouldn't take him out either. Um, so uh, let's just move on to the defenders. And uh, so we can get through all these uh, groups. Um and, you know, there's a lot more debate once we get to this group. Uh, he selected 10 defenders, uh, five center backs and five fullback slash wing backs. Uh, the names on the list are George Bello, John Brooks, Serhino Des, Mark McKenzie, Shaq Moore, Tim Ream, Chris Richards, Anthony Robinson, Miles Robinson, and DeAndre Diedlin. Yeah, so the one thing that I think I know for a fact jumps out on the page to both of us is finally seeing Chris Richards on that roster. We finally get an opportunity when minutes matter to see Chris Richards partnered up with what I'm hoping is going to be miles Robinson, because I'm sorry, I'm still not, I'm still not forgiving John Brooks for his attitude in that Honduras match. I, I, until I see him play with a little bit of heart and actually look like he buys in a little bit, then he's kind of on my shit list. I know he's probably our quote-unquote highest-rated defender, but I'm all about the youth movement with this squad because this is a super young squad. So give me a match where I can see Chris Richards and Miles Robinson playing together at center back. I, I've been waiting for that day, and I think we're finally going to get it soon. Yeah, I'm in complete agreement. Um, center backs, uh, I like our one through four. I think Tim Ream, he might play. But I think it's more of just like a, you know, he's like a player's coach at this point. He's 34 or something years old. All these guys are between, you know, like 18 and, and 21, 22. So, I mean, he's just like a big brother or like a, another coach that, that, but who still plays, you know, at a pretty high level in, in the championship in England. Um, so, really, I'm, I'm okay with any of those four center backs. I trust all of them enough. Uh, Mark McKenzie would probably be like my fourth, but I still trust him. I, I think he's all right. Uh, yeah. And then um, I did want to mention one thing about uh, the fullbacks before I kick it back to you. Uh, a kind of troubling development today in the championship. Uh, Fulham played. Anthony Robinson was not in the team selection. And uh, a lot of the U.S. men's national team accounts are retweeting a uh, – a, a quote or like maybe like a, a reporter for Fulham who, who mentioned that the, the replacement for him at left back picked up a knock. And in that he was saying that uh, the reason he was starting because Anthony Robinson actually missed the game because he has some sort of knee issue. So we could be looking at a, a Timothy Weah type situation with Anthony Robinson where 
we haven't even got to camp yet and and maybe he's not fit we'll see they i think they play again on the weekend so if he's in the lineup then good we'll go with them but you know we ran into a situation last time if he's hurt he needs to uh call somebody else in yeah i was actually going to bring up Anthony robinson too because i felt like maybe tim ream is that token fifth center back because of his relationship playing next to Antone Robinson over in Europe. I know we've talked about that a couple of times. I had not seen yet that there was a possibility that Antone Robinson picked up a knock. That's really upsetting because of how well Robinson played last window and how well he's just how well he's, I, he, he really has solidified that left back position. We were searching and searching to find somebody who could play well enough at left back to keep Dest at right back. And we found it in Robinson. So if that knock is serious, I'm definitely going to be paying attention to Fulham's match this weekend, because if it's serious, then we go back to the Dest at left back, which I'm really hoping that if we do get in a position to have to play Dest at left back, he can play as well as he does at Barcelona, because apparently he had an amazing game this week playing left back for Barcelona, where he had, and I saw the highlight of perfectly, perfectly weighted through ball for an assist that was just like taking candy from a baby. So I'm real, I'm, I'm crossing my fingers and still waiting for the day that we see this Dest play for the United States men's national team. I don't know when it's going to happen. I do think it will happen, but seeing him play at that caliber left back for Barcelona makes me really wonder why we can't get that type of caliber at left back, let alone right back. It's kind of starting to concern me. Right. Yeah. He started today in the Champions League game at left wing back or left back as well. Um, so he has been um, playing left back now for a few since he's come back from injury uh, at Barca um, and uh, getting to kind of one of the guys that I wanted to see on the list that is not uh, Joseph Scali. If there is some sort of problem with Anthony Robinson, um, you know, all the guys are still in Europe, so it'd be kind of the perfect time to call him. Uh, one of the things that Berhalter has said already today is that he has been in contact with Skyly and um, and that he's impressed with them and and he sees them. He sees him as part of the team at some point, but he wanted to call in kind of more uh, experienced guys. But I mean, it kind of puts you in a situation where if Anthony can't come, uh, Scali would be the perfect replacement because he can play left back or right back and, uh, you know, experience, whatever. I mean, they'll get it. They'll get it under fire or whatever. But, I mean, I think he's a million times better option than whatever left back you're going to find on an MLS squad or whatever, whatever his next option would be. Yeah, and a little part of me is wondering if that conver- if that 15-minute conversation between Burhalter and Scali had anything to do with the knock that is being reported on Robinson. Maybe Burhalter heard that and then called him and was like, hey, you're definitely part of the future. And that's a good sign, too, by the way, that he's willing to call him and say, I see you as a part of this future. So I do think we'll see Scully, especially after seeing that report. And maybe that phone call was to prep him and say, hey, listen, you're first up. You don't have the experience, which is why I call these guys. But you look, you're you going to be a part of this team in the future. You're going to be an important part of this team in the future. And if any of these guys go down, be ready for a phone call. I'm I'm hoping that's what that conversation was really about. Yeah, 100 percent, man. If if he can't if he can't go, I'd love to see. I would love to see. I, I was disappointed. Scully wasn't on this roster. I think it's a perfect time to bring him in. Uh, get your experience in these games. Uh, then you know you got your experience. 
next window and then the window in January and the windows after that. Um, you got anything else on, on these guys or do you want to move ahead to the midfield? Yeah, I was just going to make a little note about the other fullbacks. You know, we got George Bellow here, Shaq Moore here, uh, DeAndre Edlin, Edlin's also in this group. And to be honest with you, I'm, I'm not complaining about it. I know that Joseph Scully is somebody that we would like to see get minutes, but I do trust these guys. None of these guys have made the fatal flaw mistake in the minutes that they've gotten to play with the national team over the last four months. They all have played above average at worst in every match that they've gotten minutes in. And I don't think that any of them are going to kill us. I don't think that any of them are going to have a fatal moment where it takes points away from us. And I, I, I just, I like the overall athleticism and skill out of that group of guys. Those guys are fast and they really do create width and use their pace in smart ways. So I, I just, I, in general, really like this defensive group. I really hope John Brooks comes in with a good attitude. I really hope Anthony Robinson is healthy. I can't wait to see Chris Richards get some minutes. I'm looking forward to see Dest in the form that he's been over the last couple of weeks. Hopefully he shows a little bit more grit than he did last window. I just, out of all the groups, health with this one is least impact. This, this group is the least impacted by health issues. And we finally have all the guys except for maybe Zimmerman instead of Reem. You know, maybe, you know, that, that, that would be me. I would have left Reem off and brought Walker Zimmerman. But other than that, I would have brought every one of these other guys. So I'm really happy with this group. Yeah, I just got to track back and 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 take a little issue with something you said about these guys not burning us. The Honduras goal after John Brooks went sprinting out to, you know, <laughs> like the 30-yard uh, mark and, and missed the tackle, whiffed on a tackle. Um, he was kind of already out of that play. So a lot of people do kind of look at George Bellow as um, kind of falling asleep. It would have probably fell on his shoulders to sprint in there and uh, track and mark uh, whoever the goal scorer was for Honduras. Uh, I can't remember anymore, but uh, so uh, a lot of people are kind of putting John Brooks at fault for that goal and George Bellow. But um, that being said, I, I do like when Bellow's on the ball. I mean, you know, he's got a lot of shake and he's got a lot of pace, like he said. And so, you know, I mean, I mean, hopefully Anthony's good and hopefully Bello just kind of comes in to spell him, you know, last 25 minutes of a game or something. Uh, but get, getting to the midfield, um, this is a group that has come of some of the uh, same old names that we, we kind of get tired of seeing, but then also has, um, you know, two of the guys that I think everybody is super excited about uh, seeing on this roster, two of the three probably. And uh, the midfielders selected then are um, Kellen Acosta and Tyler Adams. You probably see them both playing kind of the six in Burhalter system. Then you have Gian, uh, then you have Gianluca Busio, uh, Luca De La Torre, Sebastian Leggett, Yunus Musa, Christian Roldan, and Weston McKinney gets his uh, you know, gets his pardon and uh, is allowed back into the team. <laughs> uh, you know, uh, I'll start with Weston. I mean, he's my guy. I know we got a trip to Panama City. I know there's some big, booty, beautiful women down there in Panama City. 
So, I mean, he better have, like, I bet they better, they should have, like, Tim Ream rooming with Weston McKinney and just make sure that he out there drooling over those big Panamanian booties and getting all horned up <laughs> and breaking, you know, COVID protocol again, you know, because he's got a lot on his shoulders to make it up to his teammates. He let them down big time and, uh, and make it up to us, the fans, <laughs> right? You know, I mean, we, we we want we want him to be good. We want him to be great. We want him to go to West Ham, like the rumors are saying, and and be a you know be the captain for or or you know Tyler Adam probably be the captain, but you know kind of that role, leadership role at you know the selection level and and the national team level. Uh, so you know, hopefully he gets uh he is back and he and he plays good. Uh, do you want to talk about uh Luca de Torre or Yunus or? Any of those guys? Uh, so my my thing with this group was I really wanted to see Musa. You know, we've talked we both have talked about that. You've mentioned how well he's been playing for his club and how many minutes he's been playing for his club and how it's just kind of been mind-numbing to see the lack of minutes that he's been getting with the national team. So finally seeing him on this roster was a big deal for me. I, I couldn't be more excited to see him. As far as names that we keep seeing, you got Legette, you got Rodon, you got Acosta. As far as the MLS guys are concerned, eh, you know, I think that they're there. I think they're there for a leadership type of thing. Obviously, Legette, Acosta are going to play considerable minutes. Rodon could play some minutes, but I, I, what I'm excited for is to see a potential redemption tour for Buzio. He had some moments in that gold cup where he got, he got bodied pretty easily. Right. You know, he just, I made comments to you and in, in our personal lives about how I thought he needed to put on 10 pounds just so he could handle the physical f- physicality of CONCACAF soccer a little bit better. So to see him get another chance for the national team, I'm really excited about that. And then Luca De La Torre, obviously there was a lot of people before the last window that were saying that they wanted Burhalter's head on a platter. If De La Torre and De La Fuente, did not make this roster. Last time we got De La Fuente, this time we get De La Torre. So I'm really excited to see what, what potential he has. And yes, of course, I'm happy to see Weston McKinney and Greg Berhalter bury the hatchet. I think that Weston McKinney is one of the three or four most integral young talents for us to make any noise at a World Cup. So he needs as many minutes with as many of these guys as possible to build that chemistry before we actually get to next winter. So I'm, I'm happy they buried the hatchet. Right. Yeah. And uh, uh, I think we talked about it at length uh, last episode that having either Luca Torre or Yunus Musa alongside Weston McKinney at the eight, um, you know, to bring the ball up to our forwards, connect the defense to the offense. I think they're the perfect type of guys. Uh, I think Eunice will probably be the starter. I would like to see if we're going to run the 4-3-3. I'd like to see Eunice starting. Maybe Luca starts the second game or whatever. Or maybe he comes in, you know, 60th minute, 65th minute for Eunice. Something like that. Uh, as far as Busio, uh, he's been playing more of like an eight, uh, a traditional eight, like a left mid um, at Venezia. And playing pretty well on a, on a bad team. Um and so he can kind of fill that role too. Like if, if Burhalter brings him in and tries to play him at the six or, 
uh, you know, kind of like the sort of midfield cage match, knife fight sort of thing that goes on in the CONCACAF, you know, I think you you could see Busio have some problems. I don't know how much he's going to play, even to be honest. Uh, he might just kind of be a body. Um, but what I was going to say is that in, in Syria, you know, it's a very physical league, and he really hasn't shown that where he just gets trucked and he's just avoiding, you know, all sorts of competition, <laughs> which you, you need in, in both Syria and, and CONCACAF. It's a little different, uh, but it, it's similar. You know, he's not going to go out there and, and, you know, just be in a box, you know, fighting with somebody. But I've seen him. I watch I watched a lot of his, you know, at least his, his all-touch highlights of the games. I've, I've seen a couple of, of the Venezia games, um, watch them live on TV, and, you know, he'll, he'll – take up space he won't let a guy drive through he'll make a standing tackle every once in a while over there so i mean you know maybe i don't know maybe in the gold cup he was like i haven't got my contract yet i don't want to risk it and get hurt you know something like that you know guys can be like that especially young young dudes and because he hasn't really shown that in city so it'd be interesting to see if if he does get on the pitch you know how he plays (laughs) obviously yeah, I'm I'm excited. I'm just excited to see. I'm excited to see part two of the Buzio experiment. I do think though that we're gonna find out really quick, probably within the first 20, 30 minutes of that very first match of this window, how well our linkage between our defense and offense is going with this midfielder group. I think that if we see Adams making runs, or if Adams is the one that drops back and McKenny makes runs, or if Musa makes the run with McKenny and Adams stays back. I mean when you have those three guys out there, you have a ton of potential for any one of the three to advance. And then, you know, one of the other two can stay back. I just, we'll know really, really quickly based off of the runs happening in the midfield, how well our link is playing. And if we see what we saw out of Adams in that last, in that second half against Honduras, where he's actually making runs and he's eating up that space that we were just having all sorts of trouble creating linkage in i think it's going to be a very successful window and that's on honestly my points to watch in that very first match is that how well do our midfielders make runs and eat up the space in the midfield to create offensive opportunities i have a lot of hopes for these guys and i'm really looking forward to seeing them play yeah and and, uh i can kind of just add to that point you know it's the first game is in Austin, Texas against Jamaica, you know, so it's not going to be like, we're not going to have that built in excuse that it's a Central American or an Island pitch. That's, you know, a shitty pitch. We're going to have, you know, an MLS pitch that, that, that is well-treated and is going to be cut to the way that our guys like it, the grass. I mean, uh, so, you know, that's not going to be an excuse. So yeah, I mean, we really should see, like you were saying, you know, pretty quickly, if we finally are starting to get that linkage, starting to get service into Pepe, into Aronson in attacking positions, instead of them having to track back to, you know, all the way to midfield and, and try to start, you know, like a secondary break or whatever you would want to call it uh, 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 along, you know, on their own, basically. Um, did want to mention too, uh, there was like some injury questions about Tyler Adams. He missed the weekend's game. But in the Champions League game yesterday, he came on for about 11 minutes, I think. I think he came on around the 70th minute or something. Uh, 
So we got a little run. So there might be some question about him going a full 90, you know. So that might be why you got Busio out there too. I mean, we might be trying to play him at a six. I don't, I don't, <laughs> I don't know about that, but you could see Kellen Acosta getting some serious minutes on that. If it's Gold Cup Kellen Acosta playing the six, I'm all about it. But we haven't seen Kellen Acosta play the six for us like he did in the Gold Cup since the Gold Cup. So I also don't like the idea of Busio playing the six. I I would rather if if you had to make me play somebody other than Adams and Acosta, it would be McKinney. I trust McKinney. So yeah, no, I I don't I don't know what we'll do. And honestly, McKinney playing the six with Musa and Buzio or Musio and De La Torre playing mm-hmm. the eight, I think honestly that's a little sexy. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, we could easily you know Berhalter. It's like the formation he wants to switch to is that three five two or that. 343 three, that's kind of a 352 like he could very easily i mean if tyler adams uh isn't fit to do 90 and kellen acosta plays a full 90 or something you know in the first game he could very very easily switch to just kind of like a like a 433 that's like a straight midfield line where you're doing like a triple pivot you could have busio out there and musa and uh, uh mckinney it, and you know they could just have to communicate with each other you know one guy's going to stay back or two guys will go forward. You know, I would, I would love to see something like that. I don't know if Berhalter's, you know, got it in his, uh, in his strategy <laughs> or playbooks or whatever, you know, but uh, um, anything else on midfield or, or should we go ahead and move to our forwards? Um, no, I, I, I think, I think we're good. I'm really excited about that group. There are some meh names. There's some names I'm really excited to see, but let's go ahead and move to the forwards. All right, so our forwards selected six guys, um, and they are uh, Brandon Aronson, uh, Paul Ariola, <laughs> Matthew Hoppy, your guy, uh, gets in there. Hopefully we see him at the nine a little bit. Uh, Ricardo Pepe, uh, Timothy Weah, and then Jassi Sardes. Uh, did want to add, too, they always add – they always – he uh, Berhalter always puts Christian Roldan in the midfield group, but he I don't think he's ever you know since 2019 campaign where you know it was just like a all MLS team all the time just looking for for guys you know trying to fill guys out. He hasn't played Roldan in the midfield. He always puts him in at wing. <laughs> so uh, he, he, rolled, played, he, he played him in midfield once in the Gold Cup. Did he? Or was it was what? No, it was against El Salvador. No, I mean, he comes on and he plays right wing usually, but uh, yeah, he, yeah. he might have dropped back, you know. He usually does play right wing, but there was one time where I remember specifically he brought him in at midfield because it really confused me why he was playing midfield and then he had somebody else come in and play wing. I, I feel like I don't, rem- I don't remember exactly which match it is anymore, but I, he has played midfield once that I remember in the last few months. But you're right. He almost exclusively plays right wing for Burhalter. So it is weird that he put him in the midfielder. Right. Um, and the thing with the Forest group, uh, we did kind of tease that there are two major injuries for anybody who doesn't know. Uh, the guys who weren't called in because of injuries are probably our two best players. Uh, uh, Gio Reyna and uh, Chris Pulisic. And then so that kind of leads to some of the disappointments. Uh, two of the major disappointments is that there's no Conrad de la Fuente. And for me personally, knowing 
when I woke up this morning early and was checking out my bets for Champions League and I saw that Pulisic was already ruled out, I was pretty sure that he, that meant he wasn't going to be called in. One of the guys that I would was really hoping that I would see on this roster to get kind of his first um, um, uh, senior men's national team look, he played in that Olympic disaster uh, qualifying, uh, was Jesus Ferreira of FC Dallas, the guy who's been feeding Pepe for all the goals that he's been scoring. He was just kind of a personal guy that I really wanted to see. I'd love to see what he could bring. He's the type of guy who play, you know, left wing, which is where Pulisic normally would play, but we don't see him. Um, uh, what are your thoughts just on the forward situation? Well, even if we're not going to bring in Jesus, I don't understand why in the world he didn't bring Conrad, Conrad De La Fuente. He plays left wing. And I get, we talked about it earlier. We were texting each other where, you know, Berhalter's system, you need to press. It was stupid. <laughs> at, I'm sorry, man. If a guy is that talented, you just fucking bring him. You bring yeah. him. So and the other and the other reason why I'm adamant about this and a little animated about this is because I'm looking at this roster and we already mentioned Roldan usually plays right wing. So I'm going to go ahead and assume that even the, that, that Berhalter's is being dumb and putting him at midfielder, but he's really going to play right wing for us. So that's one. Wea is a winger. Ariola is a winger who I hate and <laughs> Brendan Aronson, who actually ju- just like Roldan doesn't play winger at his club, but plays winger for us. Like Aronson has yeah, been yeah. playing in a, cent- a center attacking mid for Salzburg recently. So we've got four guys on our roster that are going to, that play almost exclusively wing for us, but that's it. That's, that's, that's all we brought. And then I guess, looking at it maybe he's gonna play hoppy at winger again too we talked about that a little bit last week where hoppy feels like he's a nine but he plays him at left wing i don't know i just i see one two i see two guys that are going to be exclusive wingers that don't even play winger for their club i see another guy that's going to try to get used as a winger that doesn't play winger for his club and then i see one winger that i really like and i'm excited to finally see on the pitch again in tim Weah. and then i see another winger who I never want to see on the pitch again in Areola. <laughs> so I don't know what the hell is going on here. I know that the answer to all of this is Conrad De La Fuente. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, I was just going to add that like uh Hoppy, when he played wing in the gold cup, like he, he created chances, uh, which was something that none of the other wingers in that group did. Uh, but it was uh, Zardes and uh, uh, DK up top. Uh and, you know, they weren't either not in a position to to uh, to to make a, a strike or make a quality strike or not have the ability to make a quality strike because they both kind of struggle with their feet <laughs> as strikers. Uh, uh, so so I'm OK with seeing him in a wing. I, I do want to see him get some run at the nine. And then the other thing that I wanted to add on what you were saying is that, yeah, when you see Brendan Aronson play the 10, the central attacking mid at Salzburg. He's actually like got that thing going right now where, uh, you know, he's going to, he's going to move to another club, a, you know, a better club, even though Salzburg is pretty good club. Uh, they've been playing really well in champions league and obviously in their domestic league, they win it every year, but uh, he's like making passes and setting guys on runs and stuff that like his teammates don't like really know what he's thinking, but he, he's thinking like that advanced, you know, like amazing central attacking midfielder sort of way of thinking his guys is 
hadn't got to that thought, you know, as fast as he did. I mean, he, he looks amazing at a 10. Um, but, you know, we haven't seen that. When he played midfield, it was like an eight. Uh, and, and for Salzburg, he does track back and, and defend, you know. Uh, but I think he just kind of got rolled over. And I think uh, I think you mentioned it, Corey, that it was like El Salvador in San Salvador. You know, I think he was kind of like shell-shocked or whatever. Yeah, I mean, I, I have no problem with him playing wing for us. And I'm the biggest happy fan that we know. So him playing wing is fine with me. I just, I know that Berhalter is going to play a game and do that. What Which one was it? A 3-5-2? Is that what you called it? Yeah, yeah. That's where yeah. he's... He's ran that out against Canada. It was three five two against Honduras. First half, it was like technically a three four three, but we had Sergeant and Pepe out there. It's kind of and that, that, that's exactly what I'm getting at. With having Hoppy and Pepe on this roster, I think you can actually pull off the three five two in the attacking third because Hoppy Hoppy's not going to collapse in the center and push Pepe out of the way in the way that Sargent does because Hoppy is a better creator of opportunities and is better in space, like without the ball. I think that if you wanted to do a 3-5-2, we have the center backs to do it on this club because Chris Richards and Miles Robinson are more than athletic enough to get paired with a John Brooks or however the hell you want to do it. There is athleticism enough in spades in that group now to run three center backs And if you wanted to put two guys out front, I have felt like for over two months now that Hoppy and Pepe give you a chance for that type of creativity. And just a little fun fact, people, Pepe just scored his 13th goal in the MLS season. So he ain't done yet. And he's on (laughs) fire. So let's just let's fucking go. Let's go. (laughs) Let's go. I, 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 I cannot wait to see those two guys play together. I have been waiting for the day for them to play together. I understand that we have injuries at winger and that's why we have to see Ariola on that roster. But I think if he rolls out that first match and it's Aronson, Pepe and Wea, I am going to be super stoked. If he decides to go with two men up front and he goes with Hoppy and Pepe, I couldn't be more excited. I just, I really, really hope he doesn't play stupid games and go like a Pepe Zardes or a Hoppy Zardes because we've already seen that one. And it scored a goal to win, but it was only because of Hoppy's creativity. If Zardes is going to play, it's got to be with one man up front. It's just, it just has to be. I just, I, I don't know. I don't know exactly how he's going to do it. I have given up on trying to predict what formations he's going to use because he does the most random shit at times. I just know that certain formations that he has a tendency to use, the personnel is on this roster to be able to do it in a way that I think can work. Right. Right. I'm in agreement with, uh, you know, everything you said right there. Uh, also, if we're going to use two men up front, uh, I would be okay with, with Wea being teamed with either Hoppy or Pepe as well. Um, uh, I just don't think he'll go to that. I think he'll, he'll stick to the 4-3-3 or a 3-4-4 or 3-4-3. But uh, really just my final thoughts on the roster are that uh, – you know, as far as the roster goes, like the good outweighs the bad for me. Uh, but that can all be washed away with uh, the team selection, the starting 11 uh, next Thursday. Yeah, we have openly talked many a times 
about how excited we are for rosters until an hour before kickoff, we see a three, five, two with Sergeant and Peppy up front. And we're texting each other. Sergeant's not going to know how to do that. And then guess what happens? He doesn't fucking know how to do it. And we are about ready to bite Burhalter's head off. So I'm just, I'm not, I, I'm not going to waste my energy trying to guess what this man's going to do as far as formation and starters. I just know that based off of his trends, I really like this roster to be able to meet his expectations. There are certain combinations of guys on this roster that I've been waiting to see play together. And it is a really, really good sign for us in the future to finally get these names together on this roster and get them minutes together. Because this team is no different than the last team in the aspect that these are going to be some of the youngest starting 11s that we play. That, that, that starting 11 against Honduras was the youngest starting 11 since 1988. I promise you that one or two of the starting 11s that we have in this window is going to be just as young, if not maybe a little bit older than that, which speaks again to this youth movement. And the only way to become ultra competitive on an international scale is for them to build continuity. So we finally have the names that need to be playing together and getting minutes together to figure out how to play together. Right. I mean, yeah, you said it, man. That uh, that pretty much wraps it up for me. Uh, unless you got anything else, uh, start bringing Dan in here. Yeah, no, I just I, I'm I'm jacked. Obviously, I'm jacked. I, <laughs> I, I I cannot I cannot wait until we get into training camp. I'm looking forward to finding out who's in and out. Who, if those knocks are true with Adams and Robinson, I'm hoping they're not. And I'm really curious to see if. Burhalter makes the right decision and calls up the people for replacements, gets likes for likes if he can, or even if he can't get a like for like getting somebody at a different place that can still help us. But without further ado, we'll go ahead and transition. We'll start our, our, our next segment and let's go ahead and get Dan in here. All right. For our next segment, we're going to go ahead and bring in Dan Angel. Uh, we're going to get some uh, picks from him. Uh, how you doing today, Dan? Oh, not too bad. No, I'm Hoping that um, this um, match tonight for the Sounders um, ends up with a win. I'm never sure what it's going to be when we play San Jose. It's um, always either we blow them out or it ends up by one or one goal or scoreless match. So we'll see what happens. <laughs> right. Yeah. Watching Sporting Kansas City and FC Dallas right now, Sporting mm-hmm. KC to score a goal last. So some right there. Oh, nice. Yeah. Uh, um, so, uh, in, uh, our previous segment, uh, we we're kind of discussing, uh, you know, the roster release today for the United States men's national team. And, uh, um, there's one guy in particular I wanted to ask you about since you are a sounder supporter, um, and that's Christian Roldan. Uh, he's having a really good year, um, year in and year out. He's, he's very good for Seattle. Um, but when he is on um, the United States men's national team. Uh, he seems to struggle pretty mightily. Uh, and he's, you know, he's one of the guys kind of Verhalter's uh, babies or whatever you want to call it that keeps getting that call up no matter what. Uh, 28 caps, zero goals, two assists in those 28 games. Um, so why do you think he struggles so much? Is it just he's playing out of position or do you think it's something else? I think part of it is because um, Raul Ruiz Diaz and um, Nicholas Ladero aren't American. I mean, one of the reasons that Roldan is able to shine in Seattle is because 
mean, he's surrounded by top tier um, talent across the board. I mean, he's he's got the best striker in MLS um, available um, to take a lot of the attention um, away away from him. I mean, with the national team, a he doesn't he doesn't um, really um, get he doesn't really get to um, show what he can do because he's usually coming in um, as a um, substitute um, and it, it can be tough to get into the flow of a match when um, you're constantly um, coming off the bench. And it's also um, tough for him to really find his niche um, and on a team that has several good players, but doesn't really have that true striker that he's used to playing with um, when he's in Seattle. And I don't know. It, I think that he's more of a depth guy with um, the U.S. Um, as opposed to being a quality player um, like he is with um, Seattle. So I think um, I can justify why Burhalter keeps giving him a spot, but I don't think um, the expectations should be all that high for him with the U.S. Right. Um, yeah. And just looking at the United States team, uh, you know, going back to really the, the nation, Nations League Cup or whatever we called it, uh, really, nobody has created a ton of chances. You know, you take away that friendly against Costa Rica, which, uh, you know, they might have been trying to get their coach fired in that, Martin, <laughs> that Martinique game. Really, I mean, we struggled across the board. To, and I guess the second half of uh, Honduras now, uh, really struggled to get any goals going. At, at Seattle, he plays like a, like a 10, right? He plays in the yeah. middle, kind of. Exactly. Yeah, and then so they... Peralta's been throwing him in there at like right wing or whatever. And yeah, so I think that has a big, uh, you know, part of it. Uh, so, so you are, you are fine with Burhalter selecting him time yeah. and time and again. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like you kind of have to like with how well he's playing in MLS, because with how much um, money and attention is in MLS, you kind of have to give guys who are doing well at this level a um, realistic path to the national team. Mm-hmm. But I don't think um, that he's ever going to be a star player. I mean, he's certainly not going to be on the level of a Pulisic or a Reyna as far as um, contributing to the national team. But he's a useful depth player. He can um, co- he can come in um, in certain situations and um, play a role in um, getting something going. But as far as being one of the best 11, no, I don't think that that's something that's um, realistic for him um, when he's on the national team. Yeah, that's kind of what uh, Corey and myself were talking about earlier, too, that, you know, a lot of the guys that are on the team that, um, you know, on social media people are upset about or whatever, they're probably, I mean, and you know, barring a bunch of injuries, they're probably just going to be fill-in guys if we get like a big lead in a game or whatever they can come in and take minutes or protect the protect the lead you know one goal lead towards the end of the game rolled on you know he's a scrapper and he knows how to play in the CONCACAF so that he can add to that um uh, uh, as far as the rest of the roster um do you have any do you have any thoughts on anything else with the roster I mean it's certainly going to hurt not having um uh, healthy um Pulisic and um Reyna available so that's that's going to be a tough thing for the U.S. to overcome in this window. I am a little bit surprised that, I mean, based on his talent, it um, was almost inevitable, but I'm a little bit um, surprised that 
McKinney is um, getting another chance um, right away as opposed to possibly skipping him for a window and um, waiting until you, until he shows that he can be counted on. But I mean, with that kind of talent and with the U.S. Um, already down a couple of um, their stars, they really couldn't afford to leave him off the roster. So it makes it makes sense for um, him to get called back despite the um, off off pitch um, shenanigans that happened in the last window. So overall, I think based off what was available, I think um, Berhalder did a pretty good job with um, selecting this team. So I think we pretty much got the best available that we could um, as far as going into this window. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I couldn't agree more. I saw today too, that Bert, Berhalter had a quote talking about his, basically the, the disappointment he had in McKinney and Eventually, I mean, the whole the whole point of the comment was basically, yeah, I'm disappointed in what he did. He is young. We have a super young team. Young people make mistakes. They're immature. We've talked about it. We had a good 15 minute conversation or whatever. And it's it's in the past was basically the sentiment from that comment was that they're just they're 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 moving past it. What yeah. has happened has happened and they're just not going to, they're not going to talk about it anymore and they're just going to move forward. And honestly, I mean, it might create a little bit of tension, but I don't think it will. He's, he's talent wise. He's one of our top four players and mm-hmm. we need him. And if we're missing two of the other top four players, we really need him. Yeah. And, and the fact that Burhalter held him accountable in that comment, I think does send a good message that it's still unacceptable behavior. And we kind of need to grow up as a team. So I, I don't know. I just thought that was a, a fun little tidbit about what Burhalter thought about McKinney's off the field issues. Yeah. And you're absolutely right. I mean, with the makeup of this team, I mean, we're not Italy. We're not England. We need to make sure that we have our most talented guys on the roster whenever they're healthy. We don't have that dumb luxury of leaving a talented dumb player out and, picking someone else for a window. Now that said, McKinney's got to make the most of the second chance. Like if there's anything off the pitch, then I think you might consider leaving him out for one window later on. Um, probably, probably not the next one um, either though, because the next one includes the home Mexico match. So that one is absolutely critical. This one, I mean, the U S has to be thinking at least seven points, if not nine, because this is a window where two out of three matches are going to be played on American soil and Jamaica in Austin, Costa Rica and Columbus. Those are matches that the U S should win going to Panama. That's another one that the U S should be able to get a result in. I know that travel is never easy in CONCACAF, but Panama is a very beatable team and I think the U.S. should be thinking three points, but given that Panama did hold Mexico and Costa Rica to a draw, I don't think there's any reason to be disappointed if um, the U.S. comes home from Panama City with one point from that match. Yeah, yeah, that, that was actually we we talked about that exactly last week, talking about how Panama looked like a place that wasn't going to be that easy to play. I still have a hope for three points. I mean, I I we Aronson is the microcosm in my opinion of the whole team when i use this example but what happened in el salvador versus what happened in honduras you saw them get their legs under them. 
So the core of this squad, the core of young guys in the squad, even without Pulisic Arena, they you saw them come of age in that match down in Honduras. So I do have hope that if we get off to a good start, win at home, get three points at home, look good and feel good about it, that we really should get three points in Panama. I'm just not – I'm not going to say the sky's falling if we don't, but right. we should get three. Yeah, we got to get at least one. Uh mm-hmm. The sky might be falling if we do lose. I mean, six points wouldn't be the worst thing in the world, but I think our thinking was to have, you know, a World Cup spot kind of locked up before that last window. So we really start, I mean, we got we got behind the eight ball and we really need to start getting points. Yeah. I, I think I think nine is possible. Seven should be the expectation. 100% agreed. Yep. I'm right on with both of you guys on that one. Um, all right. Was there, so you, you talked about names of people that you felt like needed to step up. Was there anybody that you were upset in particular that was left off or anybody that you're excited to see that you saw on there? Hmm. Mm, can't really think of anyone who I was, um, really expecting to be on the team that isn't on there. I mean, I think that everyone who belongs on there, who is actually healthy is on there. So yeah, I'm overall, I'm pretty pleased with um, this roster. And I think that we've got a pretty good shot to get some good results in this window. All right. Well, with that, let's go ahead and do a dive into our picks. As usual, I'll go ahead and kick it off. And with my first pick, I'm going to stay, I'm going to go over to the EPL. And this pick isn't as much about how much I believe in a team because they burned me last week. It's more about how much I don't believe in the other team. So I am betting against Arsenal. I'm taking Brighton double chance, and I'm going to go under three and a half goals because they just are Brighton and Arsenal. And that comes out to negative 105. Oh, man. You absolutely stole one of my picks there. <laughs> they really? Like, actually by the line? <laughs> um, no, actually, I was going to go Brighton money line. Oh. <laughs> I, I mean, Brighton came through for me earlier this week. Um, I had him on the draw against Crystal Palace. And I think that they're playing very good soccer right now. And Arsenal just is not playing up to their standards. I know Arsenal swept this um, fixture last time out. But before that, Brighton um, had won the previous two matches and had drawn one against them. So, yeah, plus 185. I think that's really good value on Brighton, um, especially playing at home. And, yeah, taking the double chance, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I just I, I felt like doing the double chance and then going the under three and a half because I just neither of them are spectacular at scoring goals. Exactly. They're both just typical tough EPL teams. Arsenal sucks, but they're just typical tough EPL teams that aren't very easy to score against, aren't great at scoring goals themselves. Brighton is definitely playing with much better form. And I took them in the win against Crystal Palace, and that's what burned me. I should have... Ah. Should have taken the double chance there. That's why I'm taking the double chance here. That makes right. sense. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, uh, Arsenal is kind of bouncing back from their, from their extremely slow start. I think they've taken, if I'm not mistaken, I can't bring it up right now, but I think they've taken nine points in their last three games. But, but I mean, Brighton and, yeah, is still in sixth. Uh, in the table and you know they've been playing well so I like that pick as well Arsenal have taken nine points in their past three games but two of those matches were Norwich and Burnley 
who are currently <laughs> rooted to the foot of foot of the table. So I'm, I mean, yes, getting a win at home against Tottenham is nice, but I'm not ready to declare that Arsenal is back on course. So I'm just because they were able to beat their rival and to um, probably be two weakest teams in the um, Premier League this year. Right. And that's a perfect. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. I was going to say, apparently, Shaka took a decent injury and is going to be out for a while, too. Oh, okay. That does hurt them. I mean, he's a he's a bulldog kind of player. I like him. Uh, um, you know, the speaking of the two bottom teams in the Premier League, that uh, kind of segues nicely into my first pick in the EPL. Uh, I'm going to do a two game parlay. I'm taking the Brunley. Uh, uh, money line at home versus Norwich City, and I'm adding that to West Ham money line versus Brentford. Uh, that comes out to plus two thirty. I think Norwich City is just uh, just that much worse <laughs> than Burnley. Crash. But you know, kind of looking at it, I I might uh, actually want to kind of just pull back on the money line and maybe look at like a double chance. Seems like. Norwich City would probably be, you know, chopping at the bit to get a point at some point. Uh, and then as far as uh, West Ham goes, uh, two of my picks this week include uh, the two teams that I follow in Europe. I usually don't do that, but I've been betting on West Ham um, sporadically here, and it's been working out for me. Um, I think they're they're better than the spot that they're in the table. I think they're a threat for Champions League and, and Brentford. I, I don't think too highly of them so i like that money line like i said that comes out to plus 230 you add them two together yeah it's not bad um and yeah i think burnley absolutely needs to get something going and they've looked better than norwich um i mean burnley's had a couple instances where they've played some tougher teams fairly well whereas norwich just looks like they are here to make up the numbers and are going to be right back in the championship bomb next year like Burnley's last match, getting a draw again, getting a draw at Leicester at the King Power Stadium. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. And the rest, the rest of on um, their slate, losing losing at home to Arsenal, not great. But I mean, they've also played some pretty tough um, opponents away. I mean, they've gone to both Everton and Liverpool, and they hosted Brighton, so they haven't really had any soft touches in there, and. Yeah, I think this is one that Burnley knows they need to get. So I think that taking them to win is a good idea. And I might even be a little more aggressive than back Burnley to win to nil at um, plus 210 because Norwich, dear Lord. Trash. I mean, I, should, Trash. I shouldn't be um, dissing the Canaries too hard because I know if um, they came up against my English team, we'd get smashed because Bristol Rovers is down there in League Two. But as far as the Premier League goes, yeah, Norwich is trash. <laughs> I really do like that West Ham United money line too, by the way, Thomas. At home, uh, they definitely need the three points. And it's against a team that's you know, a couple spots below them, only a couple points below them. And this is one of those type of separation matches where you get those three points, you move up a little bit, and you prevent that team from catching up to you. And they've been playing really well lately. So I, I like them both. Norwich is trash. I am a huge fan of betting against teams that suck. And I am also a fan of betting on the better teams at home. So I like it. 
right. And what do you have for your first pick, Dan? All right. Well, since um, you guys um, took um, both the um, two games that I originally <laughs> had in mind, I'm going to stick in the um, Premier League, and I'm going to back Watford on a double chance against Leeds. I think that Leeds just is not quite as good as it was some last year, and Watford has actually looked a fair amount better than people expected. I think that this is one where the Hornets can get a result um, on the road. I don't expect them to win, but I think um, getting plus money on a double chance in this situation against a struggling Leeds is pretty good value. Yeah, Leeds had a, a good first half against West Ham last week. Uh, uh, I was sitting there at halftime, um, and I saw the West Ham to win money line in a live bet. It was five, plus 550. I didn't pull the trigger. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I think we all know what happened. West Ham ended yeah. up, you know, getting the winner late. Uh, so it would have been a nice payout. So, yeah, Leeds hasn't been what they were last season to this point. So, you know, I like that pick too. Yeah, yeah, I like it. Uh, I've been, I've bet against Leeds a couple times. It's paid out. They are definitely in very poor form. And Watford has just as good a chance as any to win or draw on the road. So I like it. All right, for my next pick, I'm going to hop over to Syria, and I'm riding this Lazio train. I made a pick last week, and it worked. Making a pick this week, hoping it works again. I'm going to take their double chance, and I'm going to add both teams to score, and that comes out to negative 105. I'm just I'm, – I'm riding, I'm riding the wave, as they say. <laughs> right, man, I like that pick. Yeah. The the only worry I have there is it could be a bit of a tough spot um, for Lazio as it's sandwiched between a Europa League match and Inter Milan um, following that. But based on the way the trends are going, yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense as long as Lazio is um, ready to go. Yeah, they I mean, it was a miracle goal and Mobile got a, mir- a miracle penalty opportunity at the very, very end of the match to save me in my match against Roma when I took a money line and I'm cooling that a little bit and going double chance. Like you guys said, they're sandwiched between a couple matches. I think that they're going to, I I don't know which one they're going to prioritize, whether it's going to be this one or the Europa one, but I do feel good about their shots, uh, their chances. So I'm just, like I said, I'm right. I'm riding the wave. They, 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 uh, they, when you when you win a bet on a miracle play like that, you don't forget it, and you kind of want to go back to the well because it's so much fun. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah, uh, yeah. So my next couple ones are, you know, I'll give them one at a time, but they they're both kind of like that same sort of thing where I've been writing something where I'm trying to see this team change, and I haven't seen them change. Um, and one of them is Barcelona. Uh, I did, I did well today in Champions League. The only bet I lost was Barcelona. And, you know, they got absolutely thrashed against um, Benfica, <laughs> which is, you know, crazy to see uh, in Champions League. You know, this Barcelona team, I don't think they're going to turn it around. I don't know if, I don't know if they're going to fire um, Komen. Is it Komen, Kamen? Uh, their coach, I don't know if they're going to fire him before the weekend, but I mean, I'm, pre- I'm pretty sure after the weekend he's done. Um you can't just lose three to zero against Benfica and stay on as a coach. And he hasn't had a good run. Um, they got to go to Atletico uh, uh, over the weekend right now. And uh, I guess a couple hours ago was the last time I checked, but on um, 
on FanDuel, you could still get Atletico at minus 105 on the money line. And I think I think that will go way up um, as far as Atletico will be seen as a much higher favorite, you know, maybe even by, uh, you know, when it becomes morning time in Europe tomorrow. Uh, and so, I mean, if you can, you know, as soon as you hear this, try to try to get in on that minus 105 or when it's still kind of low, because uh, I think Atletico is going to put it to them. They've, they've been playing better. And like I said, Barcelona just looks like trash. Yeah, I really like that one. I'm surprised that Atletico is only negative 105. Uh, Barcelona has looked bad. Not, not, not even like just, just, I mean, bad, like they're just bad this year. I, I don't know if there's much hope for them to turn around. I'm going to assume they're going to turn around, but I have a really good feeling that that negative one Oh five is only negative one Oh five because of namesake. I mean, they, they generally are going to give those names a little bit of benefit of the doubt and Atletico is the reigning La Liga champ. So I, I like it. I like it a lot, actually. I think I'm yeah. And MGM currently has Atletico sitting at even money, um, so even better than um, that minus 105. So, yeah, if you can get that, um, go ahead and jump on that right away. All right. And what do you have for your next one, Dan? All right. So for my next one, I'm going to go into the Bundesliga, and I'm going to back Dortmund and over three and a half goals so I'm against Augsburg. Like, traditionally – Dortmund has problems when they go to Augsburg, but when Augsburg comes to them, it's traditionally a goal fest and Dortmund usually comes out on top in a big way. And I think that Dortmund is going to be in a little bit of a foul mood after um, what happened on their last, their last match, um, losing to Gladbach. So I think they come out of here and put, three or four goals up. Um, they usually do concede one in this um, matchup. So if you're trying to get aggressive here, I think you can probably um, get, I think you can probably get um, some pretty decent, um, pretty decent payout if um, you're taking both teams to score um, as well as Dortmund to win. Um, see that one's going off at plus 135, but I think it'll be just fine taking um, plus 110 for Dortmund and um, over three and a half in case Augsburg does get shut out here. And I love that. I love just listening to Dan break down his uh, picks. It's, it's just like music to my ears. So I like that pick. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm not going to lie. Uh, there's multiple picks here that I, th- I think we're going to have ourselves a week. I, I really do. <laughs> All right. So I have for my last two picks, I'm doing two parlays. And I, I like them. I, I'm not the first one is going to be I'm staying in La Liga. We'll go there. I'm staying in La Liga. I'm taking Caligari money line and I'm taking Juve money line. Uh, Juve is not a team I have the utmost confidence in. They did. They surprised me today. The only the, the reason I'm putting this money on is because of how they played today. I know Chelsea was missing a lot of people, but they still looked like a they, they looked they looked better to me today than they had last couple weeks and I if I ooh, I gotta find out I don't remember exactly who it is but I know that Caligari is playing Venezia and the same reason that I made that I, I like the bet against Norwich City is the same reason that I like picking against Venezia it seems like every time that I pick against them they do bad and it, they're the road team so it's two bad teams 
but I'm betting on the home team and I've been betting against the road team and they keep losing. So we're just going to keep rolling with it. Juve is playing. Who was it? At it, Torino. At Torino. Yeah. Now they're really close to each other in the standings, but I, I just, I feel like the boost that they got today from beating Chelsea is going to carry over into the weekend. And I really like their chances to win that one. And when you put those two money lines together, you come out at plus 227. I mean, it's, it's, you get to watch some decent quality soccer and then you get to watch a shit show. So it'll be fun. And <laughs> you can get plus 227 is even better. Right. Yeah. Juve looked like the classic Juve teams today. Like you said, Chelsea was without Pulisic, without Mount, uh, without Conte, but um, I mean, they held them scoreless. Um, um, I mean, yeah, they look, they look like the team of old, you know, to this point in the season, they really haven't. Their only other clean sheet was the game, the first Champions League game against Malmo, I think. So, I mean, you know, hopefully, I mean, yeah, hopefully they figured some things out and they continue to play good defense. And uh, just going on to my last pick, uh, it's along the same lines as that, what I was saying with Barca, where I've just been, I keep betting Barca, I keep betting RB Leipzig because I think they're going to turn it around and I keep losing money on it. So, you know, I think I'm officially, you know, off the bandwagon on both of those uh, to turn it around. I think Leipzig's similar situation. I don't think this guy, I don't think the players are, are playing for Jesse Marsh anymore. And um, they actually go, uh, they host uh, Bocum, Bocum. Uh, who is sitting second to last in the table. Um, but if you look at the results, uh, taking out the game against Bayern Munich, which they lost seven to zero, which is like an insane score for, you know, a, a league game. But uh, the other games that they have lost, they, they played close. The only other game that they lost by more than one goal was uh, against Berlin, Hertha Berlin. Um, and I think that one was like one to, it was like one to two. They were losing one to two until like the 80th minute, 85th minute or whatever. So that, um, the bet I'm going to place on them is the plus two. Um, so a spread. Uh, I just think Leipzig might win. I don't think they're going to go out and beat them by more than two. Um, and that is paying out right now at plus 110. Um, another... Uh, just one more thing on that, that the uh, handicap draw for that two-goal difference is at plus 280. <laughs> uh, I think I think that might actually be the play, but uh, what I'm going to, you know, actually play is the, is the Bolcom at plus two for plus 110. I think that makes a lot of sense. And, yeah, that, that match with um, Erta that um, you referenced, Bolcom outshot Erta 18-5. to five but found a way to lose that match three to one despite having 68% of the possession. So in, they were the better team, but they just saw them couldn't get the job done on, on the back line. And I think you're right that Leipzig just does not look like um, the same team that they have um, in the their past um, few seasons under Nagelsmann. And Marsh has got to get this thing figured out um, quickly. And I don't know if um, he can do it. Um, so 
yeah, I think um, that this is a really good opportunity to go against um, a favored team and possibly um, get a win. Took the words right out of my mouth. Couldn't agree more. Um, all right. So do you have any more picks for us, Dan? Um, yeah, I'm actually going to go into Serie A and I'm going to take AC Milan um, to get a um, result. Um, I'm going to take them double chance against Atalanta because every time that I have bet on um, Atalanta, Ladea has just um, let me down this year. And AC Milan has actually played pretty well when they've um, gone on the road against Atalanta. Um, two of their past three matches um, – at Atlanta, at Atlanta's ground, AC Milan has come away with the win. So, I mean, I might get a little bold here and take AC Milan at um, plus two thirty on the money line because, I mean, they've been playing pretty well um, when they've um, had this fixture in the past. So, yeah, actually, I think I will um, jump the double chance and just um, be bold and go for um, AC Milan to come away with all three points based off how well they've played. Um, this season and how well they've played in the past in this matchup. Man, that's uh that's one of the teams that's I've been I've been betting on it at Atlanta lately. I think it's gonna be a good match though. I I do agree. Uh AC Milan has been playing better as of late. And Atlanta, even though they won today, there has been a couple matches over the last few weeks where they've had a little bit of letdowns and it's been kind of frustrating for their fan base. I know that one of my good friends is actually an Atlanta fan and he has been beyond frustrated with betting on them. So I'm pretty sure based on that and the way that I've seen AC Milan playing, I I think you have a pretty good chance of coming out on top on that one. All right. So for my last pick, I have one more and it's going to be a another two team money line parlay and it's going to be in the EPL. I'm hopping back over to the EPL. Manchester United is playing at home against Everton and Chelsea is playing at home against Southampton Two clearly overmatched opponents. I know that Everton has a chance to maybe come away with a point, but I think that that loss that Manchester United had a couple weeks ago in champions league to young boys kind of was a wake up call because they haven't looked that poor since they came away with a big win today. Cristiano Ronaldo scored a goal in the last minute stoppage time and Chelsea. I know that they lost today and there's hope that a couple of those guys will come back, but I just think that this time they're clearly the better team and they're going to be a little bit frustrated from the results that they got because they, they probably feel like they should have at least came away with a point today against Juve. And I think that's going to motivate them to come out strong at home in their last match before the international break. So I think they're going to try to finish this, this week strong. And when you put those two together, it comes out at plus one Oh five, nice little above even payout for two overly matched opponents. I like it. Yeah. Yeah. If Cristiano Ronaldo plays. I think Man, Man United wins for sure. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Anything else, Dan? Um, yeah, actually I'm going to throw in a, Two game two game weekend MLS play. I'm gonna throw um Orlando to win against um DC United, and let's see, I'm gonna back um uh, Philadelphia um to win against Columbus. I think Columbus just is not the same team that um won the title last year. Having to go to Philadelphia, I think that this is a match that does not turn out well for the crew. And then Orlando after having to go through the slate that they're um, dealing with right now, like they're currently down to 
Nashville, they had to go to um, New England, and they had to go to Philadelphia. I mean, that's a rough stretch to have to deal with that all on the road. They're finally coming home. D.C. should be the perfect opponent for them here. I think Orlando gets the win, so I'm going to take both those teams, um, Orlando and Philadelphia, on the money line. There you go. I I don't have the best luck with Orlando, but Godspeed. I do agree with the Columbus thing. That that team had very high hopes coming into this season, you know, reigning champs and everything, and they have just been piss poor. I, the, let's put it this way. I do not bet MLS anymore. <laughs> and every time that I've won a bet in MLS games, it is because I bet against Columbus. So that should tell you something. um but if that's everybody's picks we'll go ahead and wrap up the segment looking forward to looking forward to all the reports next week and getting excited for having some usa soccer games coming up and i don't know do you have anything else you'd like to leave us off with dan hopefully um this will be the window where the u.s can build off what they did in honduras and get themselves in position to hold on to one of those three spots the rest of the way. Yeah. I I couldn't agree more. We need, we need to at least get, we need to at least get seven points. We we really, really do. And I, and I have confidence. I saw a projected starting lineup that I absolutely loved, even without Pulisic and Reina. I, 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 I'm beyond excited. So with that being said, we'll go ahead and wrap, we'll go ahead and close it up and we will see you next week, Dan. All right. Sounds good. Yeah, thanks for coming, Dan. All right, guys, that wraps it up for episode seven of the Gabacho Barracho U.S. Soccer Talk podcast show. We were joined today by Dan Angel. That's with two L's and the number 11 on Twitter. I am your co-host, Corey Adair, at DJCorp07. <laughs> and you got anything left to add to it, Thomas? Uh, no, just that I am at Don Thomas Miller on Twitter. Um and, you know, thank you guys uh, for, for, for tuning in. And, uh, you know, next week, uh, you know, we'll be back with another episode. Uh, be right before the first game. Maybe talk about, you know, I guess the injury situation. And, and maybe, maybe, maybe do a starting 11. Maybe. But, you know, her health is so frustrating and probably just waste of our time. But, you know, we hope to see you guys here again next week. Yep. See you next week, everyone. Thanks. Bye. Bye.